Welcome to episode seven of Pastoring on Purpose. It's a very special episode. It is, after all, God's number seven, so we know it's going to be extremely good. I'm Tim Manis. I am the pastoral care, spirit care coordinator here at Ministerial Care. And I want to first welcome, um, really not our guests, they're part of the team, um, Miss Harold and Betty Bowman to the show. Welcome, both of you. Glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Harold and Betty Bowman are the spirit care reps, spirit care leaders in the Delmarva, uh, D.C. area, and um, been doing that for quite some time. And, and uh, um, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate both of you. To, you have really helped me. As a young minister, I was like, I got to find some people that have been in this for a while to be able to help me. And uh, you guys have been absolutely phenomenal. How are things going there? How's the weather? Tell me how y'all are doing. Uh, I tell you, snowing. Last night was snow. We're fine. Uh, we, long as we have in our house bread, milk, and peanut butter, and we're fine. Tissue. And toilet tissue. <laughs> yes, we're fine. <laughs> we're doing great up here. It's beautiful. It's truly it beautiful. It's beautiful. Good. Good. The toilet paper, the toilet tissue, it's, it's, it's kind of a commodity right now. Right. Oh, in my house, I probably have 90 to 100 rolls. <laughs> wow. Well, hey, I don't want to get caught without. Listen, you, you, you know, if you're listening and you are, or, yeah, if, you, if, if you're running low, we know exactly where we can send you. Right. Uh, a good place. They give us these big packs. Good, good. And so it was 72 degrees here yesterday. Unbelievable. Absolutely crazy. Something here. I think it's above freezing now because I went out and took a swipe with a snow shovel down the walkway because uh, I like to play in it a little bit. And um, so it was, you know, I think it's up in the 30s now a little bit. Awesome. Raymond, uh, welcome. Uh, my colleague here. Welcome, uh, man. It's good to have you. Uh, if we had snow or ice here in Cleveland, what would you think would happen? Uh, bread, milk, and I guess toilet paper nowadays would all uh, be off the shelves at the grocery stores. Uh, kids would play. It'd be like a holiday here uh, in Delmarva. It's probably not as uncommon, but here it would be uh, a special event for sure. Oh, yeah. It's a cause of celebration, no doubt about it. And so uh, but it's good to have you. Jeff, how are you doing? How's everything going at Lee? We're doing well. We, uh, we just... Uh, had a mental health day. We're, we're trying to help our students focus, especially during the pandemic, on taking care of themselves and being ready for class. And uh, especially during this unique uh, semester that we have, the second unique semester this year. So yesterday we gave them a mental health day. So they had, uh, they were not to do classwork. They would take time, relax, pray. Uh, probably most of them slept, okay? <laughs> but just to give them kind of that break. Uh, and, uh, so anyway, it's, it's been good. I'm glad it's not snowing here because yes, for some reason, milk and bread do fly off the shelves and I haven't quite figured out why people need milk and bread during the snow. But anyway, good to be here. Well, you have to have that milk sandwich. Yes. I, evidently it's important. <laughs> yes. It, it is interesting, but it's good to have you, uh, as always. And, uh, we're going to be talking about spirit care today and, and you know, one of the things that people may not realize, spirit care is a huge part of what we do uh, with ministerial care. Um, 
It is a ministry for those who may know or may, may not know. Spirit Care is a ministry to our retired ministers, our spouses, widows. And, you know, quite frankly, I'm not where I'm at. Jeff's probably not where he's at. Raymond's not where he's at, if not for our pioneers in the faith. And we're so very thankful uh, to have Harold and Betty Bowman with us today. Give us a background, if you will, either of you or both of you, uh, about your experience, your ministry, uh, what all have you done over the years, and how long have you been uh, spirit care leaders in uh, the Delmarva area? Well, we've been, I've been in the ministry for about 65 years, and I started when I was a teenager. And uh, Betty and I joined together when we, in 1960, and she became a partner at that time, and we've been partners ever since. And we've enjoyed uh, evangelizing, pastoring, and uh, we ended up, our last pastor was in uh, our, the Heritage Community Church in, in Severn, Maryland, and we pastored for over 36 years there. Mm-hmm. And God blessed us tremendously there. And there's been a lot of wonderful ministries and everything that came out of that. Uh, one of the things about that, uh, there was a lot of things involved in, but we were doing in about 1988 or something like that, we had a group going down to the Appalachian Mountains in West Virginia area, which um, we went there because we, we, uh, it was a Christmas uh, special for our church. We just got a lot of things that, and supplies and took a tractor trailer load down in the area there and started that started a ministry down there for not only Christmas time, but we started trying to help the churches and things down there too from our church. And then in 1992, the October 1992, I received a phone call from um, uh, one of the pastors down there. And it was concerning a retired minister of 90 some years old that had no fuel in, their, in his house and no electric in his house. And they asked if something we could do about that. And to be honest with you, it broke my heart. It really broke my heart when I heard that, that there would be a retired minister in, in such condition. So as a church, that began our ministry as far as helping uh, retired ministers and all. And my board at that time decided to set aside $1,000 a month, you know, to go in that direction. And needless to say, we put electric in that man's house and we made sure he had fuel, you know, and everything. And we've been doing that ever since. But uh, uh, then in 19, what is it, 1994, I believe it was, is when I started as fair care director here in the state of Delmarva area. And Betty and I have been working in that area ever since, you know. And uh, so we thank God for the way God has blessed us. That was a burden on our heart here, and it's still a burden on our heart. I retired from the, my pastoring after 30-some-plus years in, in uh, 2007. And uh, in that, at that time, one of the men that worked for me for a period of time, which uh, Steve Hall, uh, worked for me for 15 years at that time. He now pastors a church as lead pastor. And the ministry continued in the church, you know, as far as the retired ministers program and everything concerned. So it's it's been great. We've done a lot of things, but I will probably talk about that a little later on when, you, you know, when we get into it. But our ministry, we have enjoyed uh, our ministry immensely, you know, and uh, given thanks to God. And uh, as far as my part is concerned, I've not stopped. I just relocated in a different area of ministry, but, uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about that later as far as retired ministers are concerned. 
You want to add anything there, girl? No, it's just, but I will say it's been one of the most rewarding things that we've done uh, with all the years of pastoring and all the things that we've seen take place there in, in pastoring itself. It was such a wonderful thing. But yet at this point, um, I think this is one of the most rewarding things that we've done. We're caring for people. Some of these people have no one. And um, it's wonderful to be able to connect with them and see what we can do for them. It's just, and it, you take, I think it becomes more like a friendship with them because um, they are so desperate for someone to be in their lives, some of them. And then you have the others that are, are couples and whatever, and they're, they're fine. But then you have that group that seems so isolated. And it's, it's wonderful to be a part of that and be able to help bring them out of that isolation. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that we will definitely talk about a little bit later. But what you guys have been able to do um, as far as leadership there goes. And, you know, our retired ministers spend their whole life caring for others, sharing the gospel. How many lives have been changed? People have come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, have, have, uh, have been ministered to through them. And to be able to have a ministry that says, you know what, now it's, let us care for you. Let us be able to give back to you to kind of mirror a little bit of what you've been able to do your whole life. That does have to be pretty rewarding, doesn't it? Yes. Yes. Yes, yes it is. And the funny thing about it is when we started out with this, we were so much younger, yeah, right. you know, and we, we were ministering to older people, to seniors. And, um, and then all of a sudden, somehow we ended up in that same group. You know, we're here now. We're in that age bracket. But it's God has blessed us with health. And I'm so grateful for that because that gives us the energy and the ability to um, reach out and help some that are less fortunate than we are. And it keeps us alive, too, I think. It keeps us involved in using our heads and our physical being. And it's, it just, um, it's good for us, too. Good. You know, 36 years of, of pastoring. Wow. I mean, that, that's not a short time. And so you, you probably, probably see a few things in 36 years of uh, pastoring, don't you? Well, actually, it was 36 years pastoring the last church. <laughs> so how long have you been pastoring altogether? Oh, well, we pastored four churches before that. And so we've been pastoring probably since about 1962, uh, 63. Yeah. Uh, okay. You've been pastoring since that time. You get real educated when you're pastoring i mean uh, it uh, when especially when you're young you think man you've got this all far behind you you're ready to do it and you know that's when you try to really do your best and and then you come across many situations within the church that uh, you learn to get educated and uh, so when i finally reached heritage uh, at that time which was known as the Glen Burnie church of god at the time we we went there with 37 people in the church and uh, when we left Heritage, it was 1400 and something. But the fact of it is, you get all your education. I believe God allowed all these things to happen to us to give these experiences so that when we got to Heritage, you know, uh, we were able to use all of the experience that we had. And it was hard for me to believe that I was only about 30 years old going to pastor that because in my mind, I was a whole lot older than 30. I had gotten educated over the, those few years. 
but uh, it's been an exciting experience. And, you know, when you pastoring is wonderful, really is wonderful, because you have the ability to be able to minister to the needs of people and watch changes take place in many of their lives. And then when you're pastor for 36 years in one location, what happens, you, you see people get saved, you see them come together, the marriage is healed, you see them have children, you see the children grow up, become teenagers, and then you see them have children. In other words, you dedicate babies, and then the babies grow up and you dedicate their babies, you know. And uh, it's just a wonderful experience. And unfortunately, a lot of pastors never realized how important it was to hang in there in the midst of all of their problems and go through them and stay at one location because a lot of them got in the habit of changing every two years. But uh, there was many opportunities handed to me while in the 36 years, but I said, no, I believe that pastoring is where I need to be. And I believe God's called me to be a pastor and that's where I needed to be until he laid this burden on my heart with retired ministers. And that's, and being honest with you, that's one of the reasons we retired earlier in our lives so that we could spend more time, you know, working with retired ministers. So it gives you a little background there. I love it. And and that's your heart. I'm going to direct this to, 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 to Raymond and then Jeff, a little word association, if you will. But when I say retired minister, Raymond, what comes to your mind? Uh, my grandmother comes to mind first. Um, certainly, you know, my parents and, uh, your father-in-law, all of them, while they are still active and still in ministry and still doing a lot of things, uh, whenever you think about the retired ministers, you think about the people that are close to you and a part of your family that will soon be going into uh, retirement and that, that phase uh, of life. And, uh, and it, it's really great that you have people that, that are able to take care of them and, and make that connection with them. Uh, you know, but for me, I also really think about my time um, in Alabama when I was uh, doing counseling there as a part of a church staff. Uh, it was not restoration work. I wasn't you know, working with ministerial care. I, I just kind of had a, a little counseling practice there as a part of the church and the ministry there for several years. And uh, one of the things that I did there was, for whatever reason, they thought that the uh, retired folks there in the church and, and the, the widows in the church and, and the older generation would fall under me as a staff person. And so I got to work with them and, and uh, I worked with them for about seven years. And it, they were, you know, I did a lot of groups. I had about 250 people in uh, support groups, but none of them were better. Uh, and none of them were kinder and more gracious. They were just the best people. Uh, I will never forget them and the interaction that I had with them. Uh, and that's what comes to my mind. The opportunity that I had to work with them was very rewarding. Mm, very good. Jeff, what about you? Same, same question. Uh, two things. Uh, intellectually, I would say wisdom comes to mind. Uh, and then socially, I think of transition. So wisdom, uh, we all think of those who are older than us uh, as being wiser, but there's actually evidence for that. There's actually evidence in, 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 in the psychological science that 
that, that people, as we age, and when I say that, I don't mean we have to be old, but as we age throughout our lifespan, we, we can see things more clearly as we get older, which is ironic because actually our eyesight does begin to fail us. But the wisdom and the being, a, being able to see patterns and see connections as you get older continues all the way through uh, the lifespan. And so I think of wisdom. There's so much experience, knowledge, and all that coming together. And so our retired ministers, our retired loved ones, all right, uh, are, are, are filled with wisdom, all right? However, there's also a very challenging time because it's, it can be because it's transitional. You, you, for 40, 50, 60 years, you have thought of yourself as, as this vocation, that, and especially ministry, it's so much a part of your life. And how you see yourself and how others see you. And I think for some people that can be a difficult transition that, that some don't resolve until uh, late in their, in their later years. So I think that I'd like to hear from uh, the Bowmans about that. What's that like to help people transition as well? Absolutely. And uh, I want to get into that actually, but that's a great observation and wisdom. And when I, before we ask about the transition, one thing I think about with retired ministers is that there's an activity there. There, there, there is a, a need for active, current ministers. And I'm thinking my generation, younger, we need that voice. You know, we need that today. And if one of the things that really, I, I really breaks my heart throughout this pandemic is the loss of that. I do really believe that that voice is so vital for the church moving forward. But I want to go back to your question, Jeff, uh, to the Bowmans. Let's talk about retirement for a moment, because how difficult is it for someone, you know, who's been in ministry for their whole life? This has been their profession. This has been their job. This has been their calling. I mean, do you don't really, do you really, do you really retire from the calling that God has placed upon your life? And so when you go from active as we'll, we'll we'll put it in those terms, to retired minister, how much of a struggle is that for our ministers and how have you been able to help our ministers uh, with that transition? Well, I tell you, it, what happens with the uh, minister when they transition over to the uh, retired program from being a retired pastor, a lot of them, the mentality of a lot of people is they're a retired uh, minister. They're not a retired minister, they're a retired pastor. And, uh, but a lot of people in their thinking and a lot of uh, church people and all think, well, they've just retired. And so therefore the value decreases and the individual still is, feels very uh, valuable and still wants to be able to be used because one week they're, re they're pastoring and another week they're retired, but they haven't changed as far as their value is concerned. They're still very valuable, but the mentality is there. Matter of fact, in a lot of states, when a person has retired, they don't use them on councils or other meetings, but that's the time they really need to use them. As Jeff said about the wisdom and all, because men may have gained experience and wisdom, and they, they really uh, need to use that. The other great problem about when they retire from pastoring is the fact of finances. Uh, one time they're, they're really making a salary, and we experienced that really. Uh, one time you're making a real good salary, and a week later, you're not making that salary anymore. In other words, you're facing that Monday without that salary. Somebody else is making that salary. So it's a financial situation that many of them get into. As a matter of fact, here's a little side note. I think there are some ministers 
that should have retired from pastoring a long time ago. And the only reason they don't is because of the money. They're afraid they will not have any money to live on. So therefore they struggle with their churches and many, and unfortunately, and many of them probably wouldn't appreciate me saying this, but many of them should have retired, like I said, long time ago and their churches would have benefited tremendously if they would have, but they're afraid to because they're afraid of losing that income. And, uh, so that, that's one of the major problems that they mentally. The other is some of them still have fire in, the, in their heart and everything they want to minister and they want to go and do. And uh, they're not called upon anymore. You know, they are here. They are been ministering many sermons, uh, 52 sermons out of the year, maybe even more than that. Then all of a sudden they go from that to minister, no ministering at all. And the only thing they thrive on probably is their own sermons that they have recorded and they go back and listen to them. But uh, that's an unfortunate situation. You're going to say something, so go ahead. I think dismissed is a good word. <laughs> a lot of them feel, and, and the wisdom, again, is there. But with retirement, they, they feel dismissed. And, and that happens because we have seen that. So many, uh, sometimes in states, communication from the state office or the general office ceases. And so they don't, they don't know what's going on anymore. They, they can't keep up with it, anything anymore because they don't, they don't get the information. They don't get the flyers from the state office or whatever. They don't get the phone calls from the state office. And they really feel dismissed. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's our responsibility as representatives to try to make sure that they are kept informed and, uh, and their value is there and that we make sure that their value, you know, and, and that's one of the things that we try to do. And I think most of the reps try to do with all of them. And then once uh, the husband dies and then it becomes a widow, mm -hmm. it becomes even more difficult yes. because she, her identity was with uh, her husband, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, and when they retire, a lot of times they have to move out of the parsonage and they have to find another place to live. And the widow, uh, when the, she gets to that place, it's very difficult. But even when they retire as a couple, it's hard on the uh, hard on the wife because she's so used to having a home and having her place and having an income. Then her whole life is interrupted, you know. And these are the things which people forget, you know. But it's our place to try to help them through all this crisis. Yeah, you know? I just throw this in. I don't know if this is a good thing to throw in That's or it. not, but. Um, uh, one of the retirees here, um, well, actually, it happened before he retired. He died. And so they lived in a parsonage. All their furniture belonged to the church. Their income came from the church. And it was an amazing thing that happened to her. And it was so sad because within a month, she lost, she had to bury her husband move out of the parsonage. She ended up with no furnishings other than sheets and that kind of thing, towels, whatever. But, um, and she had, did I say income? I'm not sure. But, and she, she had to move and with no means to move. And that was just a horrible, horrible thing that happened to her. And it was so sad. And she said, I don't know this for a fact. It didn't happen to me. I only know what she told us. But she said she got no support from the ministers in the state or from the state. And uh, it, it was sad. 
were sad. We faced a lot of difficulties with the uh, situations. You know, when you're a representative, you, you hear a lot of things and you have to work in many directions and you try to be there for them. You know, and, and because a lot of them go through depression, a lot of them, yes. they really deep depression mm -hmm. and a lot of them uh, facing situations, especially as far as income is concerned. Mm -hmm. That seems to be one of the major issues with a lot of them is their income and the concern about that. Now, I realize the fact some of them have family, but hey, unfortunately, the family's not mm -hmm. always there for them, you know. And so that's where that's where we come in, you know, and we'll, we'll stop here and let you go back to answer, ask any more questions, because we could talk on and on and on and on when it comes to retired ministers, because we've experienced a great deal with it and have traveled the road with them through many of them. Let me say this, too. We have been blessed. All right. And all the things which we talk about that happened to happens to many of them did not happen to us because we are blessed. I still am at the same church as Pastor Emeritus. Um, my pastor treats me with highest respect. I still have an office there. I still work out of there. And after all these years, so many of the things which we say about other retired ministers does not apply to us, all right? And we've been blessed financially and, and, and all, but our burden is to try to help many of these that have not been. That's excellent. I'm, I'm glad that you guys are so open about this because these are conversations that we need to have. And I want to give the opportunity for Jeff and Raymond to kind of just anything there that you want to add or kind of discuss. We're really talking about, I think it's really difficult for ministers in particular with transition more so than, than most. My, my father was a, was a coal miner and retirement was still difficult for him. He loved to work. Um, but I think with ministers that their identity is so, like you said, I love, I love, referring to this retired pastors. I need to start doing that because the calling of God does not change. You know, it's a different transition. Yes. Um, but there's still work left for you to be done. Um, Raymond and then Jeff, if you would just kind of follow up anything you want to add in regards to that, because they, they, they talked about loneliness, isolation. Um, you go from feeling wanted and needed to where now you feel kind of dismissed. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, what I, uh, and I understand that my experience wasn't completely in or, or exclusively with pastors or retired ministers. I had a couple of retired ministers that were part of the group that I work with. But one of the things that I, I really was, I mean, I hammered all the time with them was, look, I mean, just because you retire doesn't mean you, you don't have a purpose. It doesn't mean that you're no longer called to ministry, like you're saying. Uh, and so we took it upon ourselves uh, to try and find ways that we could get them plugged into ministry to help them um, plug in with, you know, younger people in the church or just the church body as a whole, uh, because we didn't want them to feel cast out or, you know, left aside or anything like that. Uh, they had a lot to offer. You know, it's a little bit like a Greek tragedy. As, like Jeff was saying, you know, you do get wiser and then you get retired. Uh, when you have so much to offer and you're able to see things so much clearer and see through circumstances to see what the reality of, of something is, but you're no longer called upon to do that. Uh, and so I tried to, you know, when I was working with this group, I, I tried to, to make that a reality. Uh, we did all kinds of things and, and functions to try and, and allow that, that, that body 
to minister to the larger body there that we had. Sometimes they were social uh, so that we would make connections with the other people in the church. Sometimes they were spiritual, uh, but we would always try to do everything we could to, to make sure that everybody that was a part of that church, retired or not, is called. They are all responsible to that call, and they all have a ministry, and they all have a purpose, no matter what their place in life it may be right now. Uh, and so that was just one of the things that we always tried to combat. It was a very real thing. I agree with Raymond. Uh, the word, though, that, that, that really I can't get, I even wrote it down, because, and, but it's ringing in my ears, even if I hadn't written it down, was what I think Betty said, the word dismissed. And I, and I really, man, I think that captures it. And it's really, it is a tragedy, uh, not just a Greek tragedy, it is a true tra tragedy in the sense that uh, people are feeling dis devalued. And so I, I wonder, with, with your experience, the, the Bowmans, I ask you, um, this feeling of being dismissed, uh, devalued, might it be some of this because of the younger people in the church, maybe even the pastor feels threatened by their presence, feels threatened by their knowledge, or is it just a convenience? Just, uh, okay, you, you, you've served your purpose and now we're going to set your, your work aside and maybe entertain you. You know, I've seen that sometimes in churches. We'll entertain the older folk, all right? But we really don't need you for the important decisions or anything like that. We're going to take care of that. So, so I'd like to hear what you thought, what, what you've observed in working with these pastors in the churches. <clears throat> Is it okay if I just step in here Go just ahead. a second? Um, what we have seen a lot, and, and again, we, this did not happen to us. We've been very, very blessed to be able to stay in the church of, after 30-some years. But we have seen that it's, it appears to be very difficult for the retired pastor to stay in his church. He, ha he seemingly has to go somewhere else. And he is, in our case, and that was one of the first things I said when I knew we were getting ready to retire, but all my friends are here. All my friends are here. And I don't want to leave the pastoral staff either. They're here. And I've had my certain seat that I've sat in all these years in this church. I don't want to go somewhere else. And yet, it seems like when we see the ministers here retire, they're lost for a bit because they don't know where to go. They're searching out for another church. And we've had people say to us, well, the only church I know that I could go to would feel comfortable in is this particular church. And then they get there and they're like the new person on the block. You know, they, no one knows them. No one recognizes them. And they just sit there and then they get up and they leave. And I think that's just really sad for them as well. I it's, think a, it's another loss. I think there's a mentality, too, in a lot of them where some pastors, when they retire from pastor and they feel like they have to leave, you know, to go someplace else. And because a lot of times a new man comes in, is voted in as a pastor, and uh, the congregation has to get to know them. And so consequently, that it's difficult for that new pastor uh, when he uh, has to try to win the hearts of the people to have to deal also with the the pastor, the previous pastor being in the congregation because the people always would look to them and all. But I, I, it, 
there's different circumstances depending upon who comes as a pastor. Uh, I know in our particular situation, uh, the young man that worked for me, he worked for me 15 years before he was on my staff who became the pastor. So he was familiar with the congregation. He was familiar with me. And also what I simply said to the congregation, I'd love to stay here, you know, and uh, minister, I mean, be here part of the church, but there's only one condition that I have to uh, have met. And that is the fact that you have to realize the fact that I'm no longer your pastor, you know, that you have a new pastor. And uh, if you come to me with any of your problems whatsoever, I'll have to refer you to the new pastor, you know, which I refer to Steve. I said, now, on that condition, if you promise not to come to me with your problems, then I can stay here and I can fellowship and I can worship with you. And, uh, and so we practice that. And I think our present pastor, Steve, understands the fact that I build him up all the time, you know, and he is the pastor and I look to him as the pastor. And when people come to us, we simply say, you have to go see your pastor, you know, and if there's a problem or situation. And then the other thing which is important too, is the fact when you want to stay at a church, you have to learn to keep your mouth shut. You're playing with you. Otherwise, you may not agree with everything that's happened, but uh, you don't have to agree because you're no longer the pastor. And if you can't handle that, then it's best to go find another church, you know. And uh, But Betty said, you know, it's difficult going to find another church. But, but we know many that have searched out other churches and gone. But we have a couple here in our state that have stayed in their church with the pastor, present pastor and have been able to be successful. And, uh, but I, I believe there has to be a relationship between that new pastor and the one going out. But uh, it's, but again, nobody asked that man to retire. Okay. And so therefore it's his choice that he's retiring and he has to understand he and his wife have to leave. And I think they need to prepare themselves uh, prior to that date, you know, prepare themselves for, the event of when they are going to be and uh, new location or whatever new church. But uh, I think it's tough. It's really, really difficult. And a lot of the young guys don't realize that, you know, they, they don't think about one day it's going to happen to them. You know, right now they're fired up, ready to go, you know, but uh, it's going to happen. If God tarries, it's going to happen. And the other, can I put this in there too? The other thing is a lot of the pastors do not prepare for retirement. I know the generation of my father and, and some of you guys' fathers and all, they thought Jesus was going to come, you know, before they retired. And so, therefore, they put all their monies and everything back into the church, and, and they were willing to live, live on very small means, and, and uh, they just did not prepare for retirement. You know, so when retirement came, it hit them hard. It hit them hard, and it's still hitting them hard, many of them. But thank God for this new generation of ministers and the the education that has been given to them about investing their monies and, uh, and the churches that are willing to uh, set aside retirement programs and things to help them through it. And we find out now with the new generation coming up, they have a whole lot less needs than the older generation. So we're still working hard with the older generation, but the newer generation, we just make them feel good, feel comfortable, enjoy phone calls. They get part of our newsletters, you know, and all the other things that we do. But uh, we don't, they don't uh, come to us for a lot of situations where the older people do. And we've actually, Harold and I have actually talked about the time. Well, we won't live to see it, but the time will probably come when they may not need um, 
the care that we give them now because the younger ones are better prepared for retirement. So they won't have the same needs that the older ones do. Absolutely. Great discussion. And I think we have to, younger ministers, help to help them kind of understand is that a lot of retired ministers are not going to ask for help. No. Right. They're not going to, it's, 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 it's some, for some of them, if it's humiliating for many of them, they're so used to being there to help others. It's really kind of describe that. It's really difficult. And so sometimes we just have to take the initiative to say, we're going to make this, you know, transition is always tough. We don't have to make it tougher than what it already is and take the initiative to, 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 to do what we need to do to show love and respect uh, for each other. Correct. Correct. And there's things that we can do, you know, to help them. And I didn't want our time to run out without the fact of it as being able to say this too. There's things that the spirit care reps can do to really minister to them, to meet those needs. Uh, I know one of the things which we do, which is a highly successful program is an adoption program where every one of our retirees, except maybe one or two and they're financially, they could retire. I mean, they could help somebody else. But the fact of it is, Every one of them has a, a sponsor that uh, looks out for them during Christmas and, and Easter or uh, Valentine's Day and birthdays. and birthdays. And they look out for them all year long and they and they and they're very doing a great job uh, of it. That's one of the things, the newsletters, you know, that we send out quarterly that always keeps them informed of everything. If there's some event that takes place, we call all the retirees and let them know, hey, this is happening. You can be involved in it. So there's a lot of things that you can do to keep them very much involved, you know, and, uh, and, and, and they appreciate that. And like, for instance, this evening, uh, our retired uh, ministers right now, this evening, we're going to have what we call face-to-face. We do that every month, and uh, that's on Zoom. And we all Zoom in, and uh, even in this pandem- pandemic time, when it's a lonely time for them, they can go on Zoom with us tonight and we'll share and talk and, and relate and get to see each other and fellowship and tell stories and tell jokes and whatever, you know, and uh, that helps a lot, you know, psychologically, that helps a lot. And we keep the phone calls coming to them and, and talking to them. All these things are very important, you know, to keep uh, them very, uh, feeling very valuable, you know, very valuable. Excellent. Anything you guys, uh, Jeff, Raymond, you want to add any thoughts? I don't want to, this is such a good discussion. I don't want to rush it and just kind of just brush by it to the next section. We've got one more section I want to cover, but is there anything else that you guys want to add to the discussion of what we've been discussing? Well, it just sounds to me like the the advice that I'm getting from this is, is, is for the church and the current pastor to be more intentional. I mean, the church has created this position, how you're known in your particular church, how you're revered, how, you're, how, you're, how people interact with you and the expectations, that's all created within the context of an individual church. Well, we need to be more intentional about helping with that part of the identity as someone transitions into their pastor emeritus or whatever the role is going to be. And I don't, it doesn't sound like we're doing a maybe not be doing a good job there. And I, it ha, you have to be more intentional because that, that when I mentioned earlier about being in a transition, I think the transition is, is unnecessarily long uh, uh, and delayed in, in, in retirement for some people because they're trying to figure out who am I and how do people see me and what is my role? And I think we could be more intentional in each church as, as our individuals 
transition into into retirement and helping them construct what that's going to be. Oh, one of the things, let me just throw this in too, is just uh, with pastors, present new pastors, helping their retired pastor, especially if he's in his church, Pastor Steve for us, as we've already said, couldn't be any better to us. He's just been wonderful. But he's done little things that were not necessary for him to do to make us still feel valuable and wanted and needed at the church. Like we each have our own parking spot with a little sign up there, Betty Bowman, Harold Bowman, you know, and right next to the door to get in. Um, they named a, a section the Ministry Center after us. They've got a big picture, not a big picture, but a, a picture uh, right inside the entrance of the door uh, going into the Ministry Center, recognizing us. And again, as I've already said, Steve, um, I appreciate it so much. He is forever saying something kind, something loving to us, about us. You know, just not big, big, not big flowery things, but just those little things that still make you feel like, well, you're appreciated. It's good. And, and it just makes it easy for us to be there. It just, he has helped to make it easy for us to be there. And we so much appreciate that. Phenomenal. And, you know, you, you talk about your pastor, Steve. I, I know him and he is a wonderful, wonderful man. And um, someone we're going to have on our show pretty soon, actually. But you're right. I, I like how you talked about the intentionality, Jeff, what you were sharing there and just, the little things. I, I feel like we're in a counseling session right now because it, it is those little things that, that aren't so little in the long run. Those little things add up. And that's phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. And I hope that we can do a, 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 a job that's going to, to be as caring and as loving as many of our retired uh, pastors have demonstrated throughout the years and use that model. Love it. Let's move on to, before we kind of move on, uh, Raymond, you want to have anything to add uh, before we move to our last section today? Well, I mean, I think there's little things there and then I think there's big things there as well. I mean, that you know, you and I are forever joking about how many leadership seminars the Church of God likes to push on everybody. Uh, and those are good things and they're, they're, they're awesome things for people to take part in. But there aren't many better leaders than somebody who has done it for 40 or 50 years. They've learned, they've been there and done that. Uh, and so there's a wealth of knowledge and, and wisdom, I think, as we called it earlier uh, in this podcast, that's available uh, right there for ministers today. Uh, I know one of the great things that, that we had, you know, when my father was pastoring, we had Floyd Carey. Uh, who came and, uh, I mean, he really helped us shape the church. He had retired, but he was one of the, the wisest uh, men that we had there. He worked directly with us. For all intents and purposes, he wasn't retired at all. Uh, and that leadership that he had and that experience and the knowledge that he had really helped that church uh, in ways that you can't begin to even quantify. Uh, and, and there are people there who can fill a similar role. 
Dr. Buley here in Tennessee uh, does a similar thing at the state office. A lot of state offices uh, draw on that kind of experience. I think Brother Bowman may have even done that there. I know I worked with him on a, a restoration case a few years ago, so I know that they're they're relying on his experience and his knowledge base as well. So there's big things like that that the church can utilize people uh, to maximize the ministry that they have uh, with that kind of knowledge base and experience. Good stuff. And I think it's okay for many of us to say, you know what, especially the our younger men, we don't know it all. I don't. I need help. Um, where would I be if I, if I didn't have – uh, whether it be retired pastors, mentors, really speaking into my life. I think all of us need that. that uh, it's hard to develop and grow when we shield ourselves from that. And um, yeah, let's, let's move into uh, the pandemic for just a moment. How, uh, to, to Harold and Betty, how has this, because I know I've had conversations uh, with many retired ministers throughout the country. Um, and you've already discussed how they feel when they go into retirement, that the isolation, the, the kind of feeling, the devalue, right? The devaluation, which is really, it's a shame because to me, when I look at retired ministers, it appreciates, you know, a lot of things de-appreciates de over time, but, but retired ministers, they, their value should increase um, over time. How do you think that they have been able to handle this pandemic? Because as you know, many of them, it, they're the target. I mean, as far as that's my concern is losing that voice. Um, they're more susceptible to this uh, for, for, for obvious reasons. How do you think that they've been able to handle this time? I think it's been a very lonely time for a lot of them. They feel closed in and uh, I think phone calls and different things has really helped them and to keep informed with things. Uh, but I think it's been a, it's, it's lonely, but they're probably like every other person or every other widow or whatever that's going through the same situation right now. They feel closed in and very difficult time. And uh, one of the things which I'm asking this group tonight on the, when we do our Zoom is one of the things which I'm going to ask him, what can we do while we're closed in that would help encourage someone else? And uh, we're going to give them a chance to list that and then try to get them involved in making phone calls to each other. We have a directory that we put out and give them up-to-date directory all the time, pictorial directory. And just if they can call one another and encourage them to call one another, some of them do. But like everything else, you have little groups. You know, you have them in your churches, you have them in, in society. And even in retired ministers, you have a a group that will call, keep constantly in touch with this little group, another one, this little, and this, but we're going to try to encourage them to expand themselves a little bit and just uh, to touch base. And the other thing which we have of, uh, is a program that we, we call, uh, you know, to uh, adopt one another. In other words, we have, uh, it's called a buddy program, buddy system. And what happens, one of them calls the other uh, one in the morning and the other, that one calls the other one at night to make sure they're still okay and everything's going well. You know, and uh, so those are those are things which you try to encourage during that. And maybe, Betty, you can fill in some more here. Well, I was just going to uh, about how they're faring. I think the couples seem to be doing well. But those that are alone, it's quite a different matter. And just um, and maybe a, maybe two or three weeks ago, time goes by so fast. I called one of the, the widows 
And she said, Betty, I'm old, I'm sick, and I'm afraid. And I thought, how sad, how sad that was. I'm old, I'm sick, and I'm afraid. And she's by herself. She doesn't drive. It's, it's, uh, her family is not here. And uh, when I hung up from her, with her, I, I felt like crying. I just, it was just so sad. And, and I know there are other widows that feel just the same. Many have expressed how lonely they are and how, and what they miss because a widow, I think, when she loses her mate, who touches her? Who hugs her? Who holds her? It's just, um, it's so different. And some of the widows, that's what they love about going to church. It's not all spirituality. Some uh, other things come into that. And some of that is that human touch. And I know there's ladies that go out the door on Sunday mornings. And, and when I say this, it sounds like we're still pastoring. And I know we're not. And we know our spot. But we're in the greeting, uh, first impressions thing and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, when, when they go out the door and they hug him especially, that is such a good they express their feelings on that to have somebody to hold them and i know we've, we've got to be careful about invading people's face and all of that but the widows don't care about that they they love that hug they love for somebody just to take their hand and not just shake it but to hold it and it's a difference in that and they just miss church they miss that family that fellowship and they're just lonely they're lonely for people. That that connection and Jesus was really, you know, you look at his that touch, that the, the, the power of that kind of ministry. When I was pastoring, I'm gonna confess, I'm a little confessional here. Hopefully I won't get in trouble over this. But when I was pastoring, you know, many of the, the, the elders in the church or especially the, the older women in the church, um, would greet me with a kiss on the forehead. You know, and I was like the grandkid. Um, they loved that. And I, you know, I loved it too. It was just, it was just something that they did to show that they appreciated us and valued us. And this is a tough time for, for many of them. Last question before we, we close this up, what can we do during this time? What can our ministers do? What can our churches do? There's going to be people listening that says, you know what? I want to get involved. I want to be able to help uh, retired ministers, spouses, widows, in our area, what advice would you give them as they're listening of ways that they can be involved? To reach out, just to reach out to them. And more than just a note in the mail or a letter that comes through the mail, many of them do not have email, so they can't do um, a Zoom. Many of them, believe it or not, don't have smartphones. They still use the old flip phone. So they can't do FaceTime, but I, I've had so many of them and what I, and so many of them say, I was going to say something else, but I better not say that, but um, say that to receive a phone call from the church just means so much to them. Uh, it can be from the pastor. It can be just from the office itself. We were thinking about you calling to see how you are. Someone just told me this morning 
that they received a phone call from the church. And in our church, we have elders that are responsible for a certain group of people and another elder responsible for a group of people. And when he calls, we, and I'm thankful when I say this, tomorrow I might need their help. But he always says, what can I do for you? How can I help you? And I say, you know, I'm, we're okay. We're okay. But it makes me feel good that he has called, that he cared enough to call me. And I think just reaching out, just reaching out and trying to make a, a real contact. If it can't be a touch, then a voice. Yeah, I think yeah. That's, that's, that's basically it. I think right now during this process of time, I think it's vitally important to, to reach out and touch. And a lot of people that are maybe watching right now, uh, maybe they're part of a church. They may not be a minister. They're just part of a church. And they can do it just as easy as the pastor. A lot of times people mm -hmm. are saying, why, why don't my pastor do thus and thus? And why don't our church do thus and thus? If they can only realize they're a part of that church and they can do it. I've always said when I was pastor, I'm one, but I am one. I can't do everything, but I can do something. By the grace of God, with that which I can do, I will do. You know, and, uh, and I think if we can get that philosophy in our minds, everyone, you know, and reach out and touch uh, especially our retired ministers, it may be that they can get a list from uh, their pastor or get a list from the regional office and just make it a habit of calling. Just That would be one of the great things to do and just make it a habit of uh, just calling one a day or one a week, you know, and uh, they can be a blessing. They can be a blessing. Absolutely. And I want to say thank you so much to the both of you. We really do love and appreciate what you're doing I'm going to continue to lean into both of you because you know more in this area than I do. We want to be able to help and I want to continue to learn. And wow, wow, this has been absolutely enlightening, great. I think it's one of our best. Uh, we had Bishop Culpepper last time. He was awesome as always, but uh, you guys are giving him a run for his money. Uh, Raymond, you want to say anything before we, uh, before we end this, uh, this episode? No, I just thank the Bowmans for uh, taking part in it, for helping out. I thank them for their ministry that they have here uh, and the people's lives that they have impacted and that they continue to impact. Uh, I thank them you know, for being here and sharing with us so everybody can uh, glean from what they have done and what they have, have uh, learned uh, in their journey and what they still do. Absolutely. Jeff, any closing remarks today? Thanks, thanks to the Bowmans. Uh, thank you for the ministry and how you're allowing God to, to, to use you. I like, I like uh, you're an example of how God can use us and does use us throughout the lifespan. And, and I think it's just wonderful to hear your story. So thank you for your investment, continued investment. For those of us who are not elders, all right, who are not retired or retiring, I would say the take home point here is for you to, for us to discover the value of our elders that we need to be intentional, not just, just, oh, there's a sweet older person, but what's, what's the value? See the value and ask God to help us see the value, much like it says in Timothy, to see them as, as fathers and mothers, all right? Uh, and don't be intimidated or threatened by their wisdom. God's given you these wonderful people, your elders, so that you have this wisdom, this earthly, this, this divine wisdom that they have gained and these earthly people who are surrounding you, use that wisdom. Don't be threatened by it. Excellent. Excellent. 
Wonderful. Wonderful. I'm, I'm really excited about what God is doing and, um, you know, thank you so much. And before we, before we end, let me just say this, uh, for being a guest, you, you get a center for ministerial cup mug. I know you probably already have one, but, but we'll send you another one and don't worry. It's going to be different than this one. Okay. But coffee does taste good in this particular cup, but we're going to send you a new one. Um, there's no way that we could say thank you enough for what you do. We're so thankful, blessed to have you all. Would, would one of you, both of you, um, say a word of prayer for us and those of us that are listening today? Let me say before I pray, thank you, Tim, for your devotion, for your work, for the ministry of our region, uh, uh, general office and the labor of love that many of you guys do there to help our retired ministers and we just appreciate it, appreciate it very, very much. Father, we thank you so very much for the opportunity of being able to share together here today. We pray your blessings will be upon each one of these that are here, that you will minister to them, and let each of us be your hands extended to reach out and touch the hearts and lives, not only of our retired ministers and widows, but those that we come in contact with day by day. Bless, we pray, and minister to us and through us, we pray, in Christ's name, amen, amen. Amen. I'm Tim Manis, Raymond Culpepper II, Jeffrey Sargent for Harold and Betty Bowman. Um, that's a wrap on episode seven and look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you and God bless.